verses to you. And then we'll have a seat when we're finished with these. He said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he said, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You may be seated. I, when I read this, you realize that uh, sin is something that captures the saved and the unsaved. And here he's dealing with saved people, and he was talking about our fellowship with Christ. And one of the problems that John's dealing with, or the difficulties that he's dealing with, is this very matter of if there's sin in our lives, it's that we are not in fellowship with God. And so when we have sin present in our lives, it keeps us out of fellowship with the Lord. But do you realize not only does sin affect the uh, unsaved, because we look at the world and we just look around us and we think, my goodness, if you think about the sin, how about the vote that took place, you know? And you're thinking about infanticide in our country, and the, you realize that uh, you say, why or how is that possible? Why would we be doing something like that? Why are people like that? And, and the thing of it is, is, as by one man, sin entered into the world, didn't it? And, and you think about sin itself, and so sin overtakes the unsaved, and they don't understand their need of salvation, and uh, they're far from the Word of God. And then John dealing with the subject matter here of the saved and telling them, look, you, you need to stay in close fellowship with God. And how you make that happen is, is that there's confession and repentance. And confession and repentance is, is that, Lord, I agree with you, and God, I'm going to turn from and unto you. I'm going to turn away from that sin and unto you. And so sin captures both believers and non-believers. There's something that can be done about the sin nature for the unsaved, and then the sins of the saved, something can be done about it as well. And so, you know, you, we sing songs in the church. I don't know if we grasp all the time what we're singing. You know, when we think uh, we're standing here and we're singing only a sinner saved by grace. And, and it's true, we're only a sinner saved by grace. And so the fact is, is that as a sinner, though, there's still sins present in my life. And so he gives us 1 John 1, 9 to kind of help us understand the need to kind of do that. Now, the sin of the unsaved will bring the wrath of God at the end of this life. And, you know, when this life ends and you say, well, if they don't know Christ as Savior, what is their end? Well, it's the wrath of God's going to come upon them. That's what's going to happen to the unsaved soul. And you say, well, preacher, why should we care about those things? Why, why does it matter? As long as I'm saved, why, why should I be concerned about the unsaved world? Well, that is exactly why Jesus came. He said, I came to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. So we should have the same kind of heart that our Savior had for the lost. Would you agree? Because He's in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so we should have that kind of heart for the things of God. And so if Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost, then why would we not have that kind of heart for it? And so when you think about the sin of the unsaved, it'll bring the wrath of God at the end of this life. And for those who refuse to trust Christ, but the cure is simply this. It's confession and repentance, isn't it? What are they confessing? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, isn't it? And what are they repenting from? Well, they're going to turn from their ways and their life in the world and unto Christ as their Lord and Master now. There's not a Lord and Master in the world. There's a Lord and Master in heaven that they're turned to. And so it's confession and repentance. So what's really changed for us? What's the difference between us and the unsaved world? And you say, well, is, you know, can they go to God? Yeah, they can go to God for one thing right now. 
He cannot hear their prayers unless that prayer is a prayer of, Lord, I'm, I'm lost and I need to be saved. That's the prayer God can hear from them right now. And the prayer that God hears from us is, is Lord, I'm out of fellowship with you. These sins are present in my life. And Lord, I need to ask you to forgive me. And so confession and repentance is how we stay one in fellowship with Christ. And it's how we enter into fellowship with Christ, isn't it? And so you think about confession and repentance. And so God does not want us to sin. And when I read this first verse, look at this in, in verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. What does he not want us to do? He doesn't want us to be involved in sin. The previous verse, in, or, uh, in verse 9, he said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In verse two, or chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, you know what? We just don't need to be sinning. <laughs> and he said, what I'm telling you is you sin not. And so he's trying to encourage us to stay away from it. And so uh, the saved, the Lord wants us to avoid sin. God does, does not want us to sin, but man fell into sin. And you go to the Garden of Eden through Adam, and, and you see that's where it began. And so why is the world the way that it is, folks? Why? I mean, why are we listening to the news? And we're listening to people uh, of children murdering their parents and parents murdering their children and, and brother against sister and sister against brother and mother against mother-in-law and brother against brother-in-law. I mean, why are we hearing all this stuff? What is that all about? And the lies and the deception and the, and the hateful spirits and, and the things that you see around you. Why is that all occurring around us? And, and you know, you say, what is the reason? Sin entered into the world. And death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all of sin. And John is telling us in this particular chapter, he's saying, look, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but Christ died for us. He rose again. We're in fellowship with him, and the desire of our hearts as believers should be that we want to confess our sins and stay in fellowship with Christ. Then you have the responsibility of going out to a lost world and reaching them with the gospel. So the, Lord, the saved, the Lord wants us to avoid sin, but provides the way to restore fellowship and the cure is confession in Christ and repentance in Christ. So we are told, do not sin, and when we do, God has the answer to solve our sin situation. So what is it? Well, it's confession and repentance again unto salvation or unto restoration and fellowship. That's what it is. And so I, the, I thought about this a little bit, and I, I said, what, are, what am I doing in my Christian life to avoid sin? What am I doing in my Christian life to avoid sin? I, you know, there's a lot of things we'll avoid, won't we? I, I was driving down to Columbus, and uh, I'd just seen this on the news the other night, and the, you know, the lady's standing on the side of the road, and she's holding up a tire, you know, where the treads come off the tires, and she's holding it up, and she's talking about how many accidents are occurring out here on 75 as a result of these tires coming off, you know, the treads coming off the tires. And, and she's talking about how many of them you see on the highway. Well, last night on the way down to uh, Columbus, man, I started to realize I didn't realize how many tires are all over the road until she said it, because I always feel myself swerving in and out. You know, it's an obstacle in my way. And, and, and so here's the thing. What am I doing to avoid it? Well, I'm going to swerve and go around it, aren't I? I'm not going to head at it and say, man, I'm going to see if I can take his tire on because I'm going I'm to see what it does to the bottom of my car, right? What would you do when it's in your way? When you see something that's in your way, what are you going to do? You're going to swerve and go around it, aren't you? And I, and I began to think, what am I doing in my Christian life when sin starts to present itself to me? What am I doing to go around that? What am I doing to avoid sin in my Christian life? 
So the Lord's desire for us is to abstain from sin, but when we disobey, the wonderful thing about him is he provides the resolution or the solution to our sin situation, doesn't he? He provides the way to get it corrected even. And so tonight we're going to look at their, the cure uh, for sin, and God has given us the answer. One of the things that he tells us is this, first of all, avoid it. Avoid sin. You say, well, preacher, how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to talk about this in just a moment, but, but look at what John said. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Isn't that what he told us? So God allowed this to be written. So who really wrote this? We say, well, John penned it, but God gave it to us, didn't he? And you look at this, and one of the things God wants us to do is he wants us to avoid sin altogether. You know what? The Bible even raises that and even elevates it to this level. He said abstain from even the appearance of evil, didn't he? That it doesn't even look bad for us. And so he wants us to go that far. And then I got to thinking about when, when, we, when we sin, God provides the advocate. He even gives us the answer to how to solve it, doesn't he? And not only did he make atonement, which is the last point, he gives this forgiveness to us, but he gives it to the whole world. But do you know the whole world's not going to accept it? But boy, we ought to be willing to accept the forgiveness of Christ because when I look at verse 9, if we, uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to do what for us? Forgive us. So the very forgiveness that he gives to us continually is because we have placed our faith and trust in him. The forgiveness that he gives to the unsaved is so that they may first enter into that fellowship. The fact that we're in fellowship with him, he's saying, hey, listen, just confess and repent and get this thing right with me continually. I have a relationship with you. I desire this to be with you. So first idea is this idea of to avoid sin. So this is a powerful statement to the believers and that it's is avoid falling into sin. And John speaks to them as an affectionate father would to a child. And I, I think back on when the boys were little, and my boys were tough, man. I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. I love them, but, man, they were on the go all the time. And, uh, and, I mean, when they were growing up, I mean, just things that would make you want to have a heart attack. You know what I'm saying? Things that they would do would just blow a gasket for you. And, and, and the thing of it is, is, I was always looking out for him. I was trying to protect him, trying to help him. I mean, Connor, at the age of three, he was able, we had open staircases. We had a three-level townhouse, and we had open stairs. And one day, I can't find Connor, and then finally I look, and here he's hanging out at the top level, hanging out there because he could get between the staircase. Now, I want to tell you something. As a father, and you're looking at him at the third level, and you're looking at the drop, and you're thinking... That's just going to really hurt or he's not going to make it. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and Mike, you know, he did the same thing. He was down in the basement one day, and, and I had made these shelves, Brother Chris, and, and the shelves were, if you did grab a hold of them, they'd pull out pretty quick, even if you had books on them. And here's Michael. I'm walking downstairs. I can't find Mike. And here's Mike up there, and he's climbing up those shelves, right? And he's ready to reach for the one that I knew was the weakest. And what was he about to do? And he's up as high as he can get. And he's reaching for that shelf. And I didn't want to scare him. And I just walked up behind him and I said, what are you doing? Because <laughs> I could feel my, you know. So we want to protect, don't we? John, as an affectionate father to a child, is saying, listen, don't sin. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. He's saying, just, just don't sin. And I loved my boys, but they used to drive me nuts. And, and, and one day, uh, as pregnant as Anita could get, and, and, uh, and she was having a yard sale, and, and this guy 
decides he's going to take off running and going toward a major highway. And there were people all around, and they could see my wife, as pregnant as she could be, just walking down there trying to get him. And she finally screamed, and I was pulling in, and I heard her scream, can somebody please get him? And what did she want to do? Protect him, didn't she? And here's the idea behind all of this. We look at this, and we see John saying, look, I'm trying to protect you. What's he warning them about? That you sin not. And you want to keep them from those kinds of things. The previous verses dealt with the subject of confession and of sin. And so John tells us, do not sin. So we're under grace, not under the law. And Christ made this statement to the woman who was about to be stoned to death, if you remember this. And I think this is John picking up on this because he wrote it in the book of John. Listen to what it says. In John 8, 10, 11, it says, And when Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine those accusers, those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And what John say? My little children, these things write I unto thee, that ye sin what? Not. John heard Christ say that, didn't he? So when he's telling them here, he's saying, just as an affectionate father toward a child would say, listen, don't get yourself involved in that. And he's trying to protect them. And so John tells us to avoid sin altogether. And this should be our goal as a believer. I, I, I think to myself, how can, have you been there? I just don't want to sin today. I just want to stay away from it. I don't want to think a bad thought. I don't want to have a bad word come out of my mouth. I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt somebody. Have you ever had those days where you're saying, Lord, just protect me so, you know, but we can't be in a shell and in a bubble. But the only way we can get protected is through the Holy Spirit, isn't it? God has to do that for us. And we have to really give ourselves over to our Savior. So consider, if it's hard for us, now think about this. It's hard for us as believers who have the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, a Christ who died for us, and think about yourself. Do you have a day go by where you just don't sin? I just don't think it happens. And here's the thing. You and I have a message to take to a lost and dying world, don't we? And you know, we shouldn't get as upset with them as we do. Because we we're, 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 we're equipped to the hilt with everything we need. And we sin. So why would they not sin? They don't have a Savior. They don't know Christ. And these are people that are in habitual sin. And we're talking to them about holy things. And you think about how difficult it is for us and how far removed they are from Christ and how we ought to have a heart to bring them closer to Him. You know, John makes it clear that you can conquer sin and truth, the truth is we really just choose to sin. Do you realize the world doesn't have a choice? I mean, people out here that are unsafe, they don't have a choice. They just choose to sin because that's what they are. And the hard part for me is, is that we're saved, and John said, look, guys, avoid it. Try to stay away from it. When you see it coming, swerve around it. <laughs> Get away from it. Are you with me? It's that tire on the highway. Move out of the way. And so... John is coming and he's wanting to protect. So we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word to guide us. And because of a Christ who died for us, and yet we fall prey to sin, why would we not think the world would? 
And what we want to do is we want to win them with truth. So what is that going to take? How are we going to win the lost to Christ? How are we going to make that happen? What are we going to do to try to accomplish that? And I think it's this. We are to avoid sin ourselves, and we're trying to reach a sin-sick community, right? A sin-sick world. I mean, our community is sick, folks. We may not think so. Uh, we may look around and say, well, it looks very affluent to me, and I mean, it looks like everybody's just kind of doing their thing, and everything looks good. But people are going to die and go to hell in this very community. And the reason is, is that we live in a sin-sick world, and so people think because they go to church that they're saved, or because they were baptized when they were infants, they are saved. And yet, they're living like the world, and they don't even understand their condition. And God has left us here as a church body in the midst of this community to reach those kinds of people. Yes, it's an affluent area. It really is. And you walk around, and you see these folks all around us, and they need Christ. And so the challenge to us is how do we do that then? And, and I said, so then this is why I believe you, me, and every member of this church ought to be spirit-filled people. We ought to have the Holy Spirit guiding us in our ways and in our thoughts and in our actions. And so the sin nature is what keeps the unsaved from the truth of salvation. And yet a man or a woman filled with the Spirit would, could and would provide the truth to that individual that they might get saved. <laughs> And think about how God could work through you as you say, you know what, Lord, today I want to avoid sin in my life. <laughs> I want to be used of you, God. I want to be spirit-filled. I want you to get a hold of my heart, Lord, and use me today. Here, John specifically speaking to the saved about how to confess the sin that we've fallen prey to. And we have to go to the Lord to accomplish that. And the lost have to turn to God as well. They're sin-sick, folks. They really are. And they need Christ. And so... Living in that habitual sin, you know, you think about how the Bible speaks of them, that their eyes are darkened. They can't see. God told Paul to turn them from darkness to light. And the scales that are over their eyes so they can't see. Therefore, the Lord will, and he wants to use spirit-filled men and women to testify to the sin-filled people. And then he, how is he going to do it? Well, he's got to use spirit-filled people. So Saturday, we're going to go out. We're going to go from 10 to noon. And we got these. He say, preacher, it's going to be cold. I know, you know, I was walking down the street last night, and I, I was thinking to myself as I was walking down the street, it's very cold out here right now, very cold. And I'm willing to walk from that parking lot all the way down the street, and it was a long way. And I'm willing to do that to go watch a game. I maybe know where I'm going with this. It's going to be cold on Saturday, Right? And pastor thought to himself, if I'm willing to walk from that parking lot all the way down there to watch a bunch of guys in uniforms hit a little black thing about that big, it looks like a speck from where I'm sitting with a bunch of sticks. Why would I not be willing to walk down a cold street and hand this to a person and say, hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. And the thing of it is, is that's all it takes. As I shared with you, sometimes it's 30 seconds, isn't it? Just a few minutes, just to hand it to someone and tell them about Jesus Christ. Now, this is just an invitation. We have to be spirit-filled. This is just an invitation. We have to know what scriptures to take them to. This is just an invitation. We, we, we need to be able to share with them the life that there is in Christ Jesus. 
Now, Saturday, I'm going to encourage you to come, and I'd like for the whole church to be there for us to just go down some of these streets and everybody just take a couple of tracks. I mean, we'd be done in no time. And, and, and we choose out a place where God is, has prepared it already, and we come together and we pray, and then we go out and we hand these out, seeking the lost. What did Christ come for? To seek and to save that which is lost, right? And so here's an opportunity for you to serve him. Therefore, the Lord will and wants to use spirit-filled men and women. So the Lord desires for us to abstain from sin when we disobey, and he provides the solution to our sin situation. The second thought is this. God gives us the counselor to help us with our sin. So here he says this. He said, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Now watch this. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. How wonderful is that? <laughs> if any man does sin, we have an advocate. Now hold on there a minute. The world is still in sin, isn't it? And there's still an advocate there. They're just not their advocate, is it? But you and I have one, don't we? We've got somebody between us and God helping us right here to keep in that right relationship with him. And so he says, uh, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So here we find when a person sins, we have someone available as our counselor, our intercessor. Now, Jesus Christ is there to help us or he's the one, and I would say by the power through the Holy Spirit, encourages us to avoid sin, and then he comes as a comforter. And I, and I love this about my Savior, because there's times where there's sin in my life, I confess that sin, and then Christ comes in to comfort my heart, to let me know, it's okay. You're okay now. We're, we're good. <laughs> we're back in fellowship. You've gotten this thing right. And, and so Christ is there as not only the intercessor, now, I don't know about you, if you've had any interactions with lawyers, but they're not the most compassionate people sometimes. And if you talk to them, they're not very compassionate. You know what they are? This is the law. This is what it says. This is how we're going to go about it. I mean, I've talked to so many different lawyers for so many different people, and they're just so focused on what they're going to do. They don't care what your condition is. They only know what the law is. It's like the Pharisees, isn't it? And you think about this for just a moment. They only know the law. But you know what's so wonderful about our Savior? He not only knew the law, he fulfilled the law, and then he has compassion on those who cannot. <laughs> and he gives himself to us in that fashion. And, and I thought about this. Jesus knew the law, he fulfilled the law, the whole law, and now he provides counsel to us. And, and listen, we need him to help us avoid sin, don't we? We have to have the Savior help us. We have to turn to him each and every day. And he's available to speak on our behalf and we confess our sins and he shows that compassion. Now, you know, I think about this all the time. He's in the eternal courtroom, isn't he? <laughs> he's already there. And you know, when I do wrong and I confess my sins, he's there interceding on my behalf. How wonderful is that? And he's saying, uh, Lord, I, I, I've already shed my blood for this sin. I've already given it. Now think about that for just a moment. He is in the eternal courtroom already standing there on our behalf, interceding on our behalf. He's already doing the work. And, and I began to think, he's the righteous one and the one without sin, pleading on our behalf because of his own shed blood. And he's saying, look, I've already taken care of this. I've already paid for this. You look at Romans 8, 34. He said, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's there interceding on our behalf. He's there now doing that for you and for me. And what does he tell us? He said, 
confess your sins. What does John tell us? Hey, listen, avoid sin. Don't get involved in it. And the world is already. 1 Timothy 2.5, he, he says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's there on our behalf, isn't he? You think about a mediator, he's working on our behalf. And then he tells us in Hebrews 7.25 and 9.24, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto him by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into the heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Whew. Beautiful stuff. He's there in the presence of God for us. So this advocate is the one who stands before our Lord for us, answering for our sin. Therefore, John started telling us how to reconcile our sin situation. He said, let me tell you how to get this thing right. And so John told us, and he says, to escape sin, you've got to rely on Jesus. You've got to rely on Christ to be able to do it. If you're going to make that swerve and miss that tire in the road, if you're going to miss that sin, you've got to trust Christ. Listen, when your mind starts taking you to some place you ought not go, talk to Jesus. Are you with me? When you start thinking thoughts you ought not think, and listen, I can't tell you what you're thinking, but I can tell you people think thoughts they ought not be thinking. Amen? And so when you start thinking thoughts you ought not be thinking, you need to ask Jesus to intercede. And you need to ask him to come in. And he says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Even when you start thinking wrong, say, Lord, Stop me from even thinking like this. And by the way, if you're saved, he will. He'll stop it for you. Why? He's there. He's our advocate. He's interceding on our behalf. And listen, if you come to your counselor and you say, hey, listen, this is the problem I have, is he going to say, yeah, I'm not interested in your problem. Go fix it yourself. That's not the Jesus that we serve. Amen? The Jesus that we serve says, come here, I'll show you how to handle this and how to take care of it. So the Lord desires for us to abstain from sin, when we disobey, he provides the solution. And you know, this last part is so wonderful in verse 2. And he is the propitiation. He, he's the advocate. He's the propitiation. Jesus Christ the righteous is. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. <laughs> so the forgiveness of God. God gives us the answer to overcoming our sin. So the means of our forgiveness is through Jesus Christ. And we turn to him for salvation but you also turn to him for restoration. You have to be restored sometimes because there's sins present in our life. And so we have to come to him for that. Now, we must see that forgiveness is not only for the saved, but the unsaved, because Christ has become the atonement for the whole world. He says right here, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died even for the most wicked people that come to your mind. He died for them. And so we now have a responsibility as a saved to try to avoid that sin, to, to not go toward it, but go around it or swerve around it. And then we have to say, okay, when sin enters into my life, I've got an advocate. He's there on my behalf. He's going to help me. And then I've got to turn this over to God. And then I've got to be a clean vessel to be able to be used of God. Now think about this. For the unsaved to avoid the eternal wrath of God, it takes confession and repentance. For the unsaved to stay in fellowship with God and, and to avoid that sin, to, to get back into that healthy relationship again, it takes confession and repentance. That takes you back to restoration. Now, 
the opportunity that we have to tell others of forgiveness unto salvation, and even for the backslidden, confession unto cleansing of unrighteousness, this is not a complicated matter. It's simply, we look to God's word, here's God's standard, we're not meeting God's standard, therefore we must be sinning against God. So there are things we ought to be doing, things we ought not be doing. So there's sins of omission and sins of commission. There's things that I omit that I ought to be doing, and there's things that I commit that I shouldn't be doing. And so both are against God. They're against His Word. And so what is the solution to that? What do we do about that? And you say, well, I need to go to my God and ask Him to help me, one, to avoid sin. John said, my little children, didn't he? He said, let ye sin not. Listen, avoid it. What did Christ tell the woman uh, there? He said, listen, he said, go and sin no more. <laughs> so it must be possible to accomplish that, but it's only going to happen through our Savior. So let's not complicate this matter. This is going against God's standard, His Word. So what's the cure? Well, it is Jesus Christ. Let me give you a couple of verses, and I'll finish with this tonight. In Romans 3, 25 and 26, the Bible says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just, and listen to this, and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Do you believe Jesus forgives sins? So if you believe that He forgives sins, then why would I not confess and repent? Why would I not get those things right with Him? 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now listen, he reconciled us, right, to God. Jesus Christ did that. Now listen to this, so I could end it there, but that's not what he ended with. He ended with this. He said this in that same verse. He said, And have given to us the ministry of reconciliation now. So what role and responsibility do we have as believers now? Jesus reconciled us unto God. Now he's given to us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Our goal, our role, is now to go out to that wicked world that Jesus went into, and he's reconciled us unto God, and now we have a responsibility to go and do the same thing now. We have the same responsibility and we have to go and reconcile them. So, we are forgiven and have the ministry now to tell others of His forgiveness. Therefore, the cure for us, the saved, for those who are lost, it's Jesus Christ. You've got to come to Him believing that He is, and He rewarded them that diligently seek.